Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says this, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. I want you to focus on that first sentence for a second. But when the fullness of time had come. How many of you get anxious around Christmas? You get excited. Maybe that's a better word. How many of you get excited around Christmas time? You know, Christmas kind of accumulates or, or comes together there Christmas morning when, you know, most people open up the gifts, they run downstairs, or maybe your tradition's a little different in your family. Some people do it Christmas Eve, but, but regardless, especially for kids, uh, Christmas morning is the, it tends to be the highlight when all the gifts are open, and people really begin to anticipate what's under the tree, don't they? Really guess what's under there. Everybody gets excited, wonders what's going on. Well, well, this sermon today is really about anticipation. And, and it's about hope. And, and I knew this, this series, this winter, this Christmas season, I really wanted to do a series about hope. Because that's what Christmas is really about. Christmas is really about God giving hope to us. Hope was born at Christmas for us. But as I began to study, I really felt the Lord was kind of shifting me in a different direction for this first message. And it's actually something I've never taught on before, and I don't know that I've ever heard anybody teach on it. But it's a very interesting period of time. And I don't know if you've ever looked back, especially those of you that are Bible scholars, but if you notice in your Bible there's an Old Testament and a what? A New Testament. Now, if you don't know, and, and maybe you're just uneducated in this way, and that's not an uncommon thing, you know, it seems like if there's an Old Testament or New Testament, the Old Testament stopped, Jesus was born, and now there's a New Testament. That makes sense, right? I mean, that seems to be what would make the most sense, but that's really not what happened. What happened is there was 435 years between the, when the Old Testament was written and the New Testament began, Jesus' birth. 435 years. There's a Bible theologian named Ray Stedman, and he calls this period of time, and other theologians call this period of time, the silent years. There was 400 years when God did not speak to his people through his prophets. That's a long time. So I want you to imagine 400 years, there there was Malachi the prophet, boom, and then nothing until Jesus is born. There wasn't anything going on, at least from a theological perspective that you see. But I feel like what God wants to talk to us about today is what's going on behind the scenes in our lives. How many of you have ever gone through a season in your life as a Christian where you just felt like you weren't hearing anything from God? Anybody? Where it was just quiet. It was kind of like you were at a desert place. Maybe you were praying and it seemed like nothing was happening. Maybe your faith just seemed really dry. But there was this season in your life where, where you just didn't sense God's presence. Maybe as close as he had been in the past. It just seemed really dry to you. Now take that feeling and multiply that times 400 years. That's kind of what was going on here. And maybe in your life you're at that place today. Maybe you're the person this message is for. Maybe you're going through a season right now where you're questioning if God is even listening to you, if he's even there. Maybe you remember a time that he felt really close, but right now you just wonder where he is. You wonder what's going on. God, where are you? But I want to say this to you today. Even when you don't hear or sense God speaking to you, I want you to know something. He is working behind the scenes in your life. 
He is unseen behind the scenes working things out in your life, even if you don't know it. And I'm going to show you today out of his word in these silent years where God was moving. So I'm going to jump just right into this and kind of get started. Anybody, this will be a little interactive today. Has anybody ever heard of a guy named Alexander the Great? Anybody ever heard of a guy named Alexander the Great? You know, Alexander the Great was a Greek, okay? He lived in the provinces of Greece, and and his dad, Philip, was a king, and Philip died. And so Alexander the Great took over. Now, some of you are going, Alexander the Great, who named him that? I don't know if that's what he called himself, you know, if that was his nickname in high school. I really don't know. But anyway, Alexander the Great took over the kingdom of Greece, right? He unified all the city-states of Greece, and and here they were, right? And, And here's why that's significant. If you remember from your high school history, and I know some of you may have been in the, alive in the time of Alexander. I don't know. Maybe y'all went to school together. But anyway, that's a joke, okay? That's, that's funny, okay? But anyway, in 330 B.C., during this time called the Silent Years, during this time, Alexander the Great came into power in Greece. And here's what was significant, a couple things that were really significant during this period of time. For centuries, millennia really, the East had been dominant and not the West. And Alexander took power and Alexander defeated the Persian armies. And when he defeated the Persian armies, this was a pivotal point in history. Because power switched from the East to the West. And it's really remained in the West ever since that time. Alexander, with a much smaller army, defeated the Persian armies and sent the old world into chaos. And what happened is Alexander, again, 20 years old, 20 years old Alexander, a genius um, general, began to take over much of the known world during this period of time. And something very interesting happened. He advanced all the way to India. And then he began also, he advanced south. And when he came south, he decided he wanted to take over Egypt. Something really interesting happened during this period of time. The historian Josephus tells us of of the interchange that happened between um, Alexander and the people that controlled Jerusalem at the time. This is historically, this is what the historians will tell us. Alexander the Great was leading his armies down to take over uh, Egypt. And as he was doing that, he had to pass through Palestine, which of course is where Jerusalem is. And the high priest at that time in Jerusalem heard that he was coming. And so he grabbed the book of Daniel out of the Old Testament because he'd studied it. And he recognized that Alexander was in the prophecies that Daniel had talked about. And so the chief priest with a bunch of other priests all dressed up in white. And they went out to meet Alexander's army before he got to the city because he was going to take it over, right? And as he's coming down, Alexander leaves the army and rushes out to meet these priests. And here's what he says to them. Alexander says, I had a dream last night that God told me that men in white were going to come out and tell me prophecies about myself. And so the the chief priest began to open up the book of Daniel and talk to um, Alexander about himself in these prophecies and that God had a great plan for his life. And so Alexander spared the city of Jerusalem. And moved on to take over other places. Now that's a pretty cool story. But it goes much further than that. Those of you that understand history recognize that Alexander died uh, as a very young man. And his kingdom was split up between his four generals. 
And two of his generals, one controlled the area north of Palestine, the other one controlled the area south of Palestine, and they were in constant conflict with each other. In Jerusalem, Palestine was caught in the middle of this conflict. But here's what was really interesting about this time that Alexander took this over. A couple things happened. One of the things that happened is that the Greek language began to spread. The Greek culture, the Hellenist culture, began to spread throughout all the areas that Alexander had taken over. In Jerusalem, Palestine was no exception. And during this period of time, actually about 284 B.C., I think is the correct date, if I remember right. Yeah, 284 B.C. Hey, I remembered something. That's cool. Um, 284 B.C., they actually, some of these Greek people took the Old Testament and translated the Old Testament into Greek. And that's called the Septuagint. The Septuagint. And they, they were able to translate the Old Testament into Greek. And, and Greek culture began to spread, but primarily the Greek language began to spread. And I want you to understand this. As the Greek language began to spread, it spread into all these provinces over which Alexander had taken over. And all of the educated people, a lot of the scholars, were all taught in the same language. Just like today, if you go around the world, you can go to different countries around the planet, and many of the people that you will deal with speak English. It's kind of the way the dollar is used. The American dollar is used as the currency of many other countries. It's the stabilizing currency. The English language is used as the language of business around the world. We'll translate that back into this period of time, these 400 years before Jesus comes. Now the Greek language begins to be the language that many of the cultured people began to use. That's fascinating. and It will become more important here in a few minutes. Something else rose up during this period of time. As the Hellenists came in, as the people that were trying to embrace this Greek culture came into Israel and Palestine, there, there were two sects, there were religious leadership sects that arose up during this period of time. And one of these sects was very traditional. Their whole goal was to keep the Mosaic law intact. And so they became very, very dogmatic about protecting their Hebrew culture and their Hebrew heritage. And the name of that group was the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, the word actually translated means to separate. So these guys began to separate themselves and hold to their religious traditions. There was another group that began to rise up during this period of time. And they were the ones that were considered to be more modern. And they were the ones that really gravitated towards this Greek culture. They were the ones that became the Sadducees. And if you understand the importance of this, if you look at your New Testament, who was Jesus dealing with a lot in the New Testament? Pharisees and Sadducees. So the Pharisees are the ones, it takes more, it, it, you can put things more in context when they realize the woman caught in adultery where Jesus went to her, or, or the Pharisees came to him and said, this woman was caught in adultery and the law of Moses says. Remember, they were the ones that held on to that Mosaic law. There were a couple times in scripture that I actually think it's kind of funny that Jesus would say something about resurrection when the Sadducees and the Pharisees were together. See, the Sadducees did not believe in anyone being resurrected. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in an afterlife. And so Jesus sometimes would say things that would set them in opposition to each other. Of course, you wouldn't know that if you didn't know history. But all this happened during this period of time. Now, some of you go, why in the world is Pastor Chris talking to us about all this? I'm going to get to that in a minute. Just stick with me, okay? Just stay with me. Something else happened during this period of time that was very, very interesting. And I want you to understand this. 
We are told that for decades, Palestine and Jerusalem, um, actually, again, for hundreds of years, historians tell us that Jerusalem is one of the most captured cities in history. Jerusalem has been taken over 27 different times. 27 different times. These people were constantly in a state of turmoil. I want you to imagine something. Imagine being in a country that was constantly in flux. You never knew who was in charge. That's what these people were living in. And and even during these 400 years, the silent time when it doesn't look like God's saying anything, they're, they're constantly in turmoil. I mean, they were constantly in turmoil from different countries. I mean, the Persians. The Syrians, the the Philistines. I mean, there was this constant battle that seemed to be going on. There was no peace for these people. And every generation, it just seemed like they were constantly beat up and taken over. Then the Greeks come. The Greeks take them over. But listen to this. About 63 B.C., there was a war going on in Palestine again. And the the battle between those that control Palestine and those that were outside of Palestine that were coming against them, the battle was so bad that both sides reached out to the Roman army, who was not there yet. They were in Damascus. And both sides, the battle was so bad, they both contacted the Roman army separately and said, look, we're going to pay you to come help us fight this battle. And so the Romans, y'all heard of them, the Romans said, yeah, we'll come. And here's what happened. Both sides said, hey, we're going to pay you to come. But guess what Rome said? Who's got the most money? And so what happened is Rome fought for the side that had the most money. But what was interesting about that is Rome took their money and then took over the country. And in 63 B.C., Rome takes over from what was left of the Greek folks that were still running things down there. And this is the world that Jesus is born into. Constant anarchy, infighting, battles, all these sects driving up, all these different things that are going on, and and, and there's all these things in the backdrop of history that seem to overshadow this period of time. And you're probably wondering why in the world would I go over this message today? And really, here's the important question. What in the world does this have to do with your life today? Why does this even matter? Well, let me just show you some facts real quick that I think may strike you as very interesting. Alexander conquered the known world. This is in your notes. By doing this, he spread what language? The Greek language. The New Testament is written primarily in Aramaic and Greek. Also remember that they took 70 scholars and they translated the Old Testament into Greek. Now, if Alexander had never gone out and conquered the known world, there would have been languages spread everywhere. There was not a common language at that time, and certainly one not as good as Greek for translating thoughts and ideas. Greek's probably the best language to do that that exists. But if Alexander had never conquered, then the New Testament wouldn't have been written in Greek and it wouldn't have spread as quickly as it did throughout the known world because they were able to take the Greek language and take that to almost every province they went and people understood. Never would have happened if Alexander hadn't come. What about uh, the Romans? 
The Romans were obviously famous for their armies. They took over the known world at that time. But the other thing that the Romans were really famous for was their architecture. I don't know if you guys realize this, but there are still roads that Rome built back in those ancient times that are in use today. They built those things so well, they're still in use. People travel from all around the world to go to Italy to look at their architecture. It's that classical architecture. They knew what they were doing. Uh, Ben Gay actually pointed something out to me in the first service today. Even in the United States, apparently for a period of time, the width of our roads, have you ever wondered how they decide what the width of roads should be? What the Romans did is they took two horses and put them side by side like they were pulling a chariot and measured it, and that was one of the ways they measured the width of the road. Apparently, in the history of our country, for a period of time, that's one of the ways we did it as well. So their influence even came here to a degree. But not only were there roads, there was a saying back in those days that said, all roads lead to Rome. They built this elaborate system of roads that allowed people to travel in ways that they'd never been able to travel before. But another thing happened. They were able to travel in safety because the Roman army ruled the known world. So they were able to travel safely from place to place because these Roman garrisons were in place. To bring it a little closer to home as far as a Bible story is concerned, do you remember the story of Mary and Joseph when they went to Bethlehem? Why did they go to Bethlehem? A census. Who put the census in place? Rome. The Roman emperor at that time, and it says it in the scripture, the emperor at that time said, hey, everybody needs to go to their hometown and we're going to take a census. But you know why they did that? Think about this. The entire Roman Empire, the entire known world was required to go to their hometown and take a census. Why? Because in our scripture, it said that the Messiah would be born where? In Bethlehem, which just happened to be Joseph's hometown. But he wouldn't have gone there if the Romans hadn't called to do a census. Here's why I want, to, want you to understand it. Listen to this. So governments and conquerors and weather <laughs> and systems and everything in this world is serving God who moves everything by his hand and who is in charge of Obama and a governor's and presidents, and kings, and everybody on the planet who thinks they're doing what they want to do the way they want to do it, and yet God has a plan. God has a plan. And the reason I wanted to share this with you today, actually the reason I think God wanted me to share this with you today, is that you need to understand, you may feel like right now in your life you're going through a season where God's not speaking to you, but you need to understand that He is in the background working behind the scenes and He is setting everything up for your benefit. He'll move kingdoms if He has to. Think about that. Think about it. Just, just stretch your mind a little bit and realize Alexander the Great rises to power. Daniel had prophesied this hundreds of years beforehand. <laughs> But Alexander the Great rises to power. God's not surprised by any of these things. He sets it up to accomplish his will. And if he can set the world up to accomplish his will, he can certainly move things around in your life to accomplish his will for you. And if he has to move the president on your behalf, he'll do it. That's the truth. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the what? 
the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a what? Hope. And what's this message about? Hope. Regardless of what your current situation looks like, regardless of how hopeless it may look, you need to understand, Monica, that God is behind the scenes and He's working all things together for your good. Whatever concerns you, God is moving. And just because you don't hear Him speak doesn't mean He's not doing something. Doesn't mean He's not moving. Doesn't mean He's not actively involved. This is where faith comes in. You have to learn to trust Him even when you don't understand. Even when Alexander the Great comes to take over your city and it looks really bad, God is still at work. God has a plan, Marshall. God has a plan. And He is working His plan. And you can rest assured as one of his children that he's got a plan going on. The scripture tells us that now when you read in Galatians, now when you read in the scripture and it says, in the fullness of time, then this happened. That means God said, hey, it's ready. Let me ask you a question. How many of you bake things? Let me see your hands. If you bake anything, cook anything. Dwight, you're raising your hand and you're lying because I know you don't bake anything. But, but those of you, <laughs> you raise your hand, you bake things. How long does it take something to cook, bake? Michelle, how long does it take? Huh? About 30 minutes. But, but how do you know when something's done? Huh? You test it. You know, what'd you say? When it's not burnt. There you go. I won't be at your house this Christmas, okay? <laughs> it ain't burnt. That could be a lot of things, okay? I mean... <laughs> But here's a very simple, this is my redneck answer, okay? It's done when it's finished. It's done when it's done. How do you know it's done when it's finished? (laughs) But, but, uh, you know, Trisha loves to bake and all that, especially this time of year, cake's going on, there's all kinds of stuff happening. I learned this early on in our marriage. If I go check it every 10 minutes, what's going to happen? It's not going to be done. It actually messes up the process. Becky brought up a good point earlier. I didn't know this. Thank you, Becky. This is really cool. First service, didn't get to hear this. Y'all get the special stuff today, okay? If you open an oven a lot when a cake's cooking, the cake will actually go flat, and you have to start all over again. Hmm. What's the spiritual significance of that? I'm going to tell you. Some of you guys need to learn to trust God, and when it's time, it's time. And if you ask God, Lord, when is this going to happen? When is my child, when is my lost child going to come home? When it's time. Lord, when is this going to happen? When is my financial breakthrough going to happen? When is, when is my marriage going to when, when You need to do what you're supposed to do, which is prepare the ingredients and put it in the oven. And then guess what? You need to step away from the oven. In other words, you need to let him do his job. And some of you are trying to help God out so much, and you keep opening the oven, and all you're doing is delaying the blessing because now it's got to cook some more. And sometimes you may mess it up so much, you've got to start over. Anybody done that? It usually starts off with a statement like this, y'all watch this. <laughs> Don't worry, Lord, I've got it. 
Uh-huh. Sure you do. But if you will step back in faith, and when somebody says, hey, when, when's your blessing going to come? When, when is it? In the fullness of time. When God's ready. When it's the right time. And God is working behind the scenes on your behalf right now. But you have to trust him. Stop helping him. Or if you want to help him, stay out of the way and let him do the work. Amen? Some of you today, this is really, this is where you're at. And, and God gave me a message to give you. Because in the fullness of time, it will come to pass. And you can have faith in that. Amen? Let's pray for a moment. Lord, I thank you that your word is so amazing, Father, that you've got such an awesome plan for our lives. And we look back at the Christmas story, Lord, and that scripture takes on a whole new meaning in the fullness of time. At exactly the right time, Lord, you came along. At exactly the right time, when it was the perfect time, you sent your son into the world. And Father, I know that there are people here today that are dealing with different challenges and different struggles in their life. And some of them, Lord, they want to trust you, but they don't know how. There are some of you here today that want to trust God, but you don't know how. And the truth is, you get in your own way. But today you need to stop. And I believe this is God's word for you today. He's got it under control. You know, as children, many of us sang that song, He's got the whole world in His hands. And He does. The universe came into being when He spoke. And He raises kings up and He puts kings down. And the whole Bible is full of stories like that where God moved the hearts of kings and God would open and close doors and do different things. Let me just tell you something. Let me give you a news flash today. He's the same God. And He loves you. He loves you so much that He sent me to tell you this message that you can trust Him. You can trust Him. Because in the fullness of time, when He's ready, it'll happen. And He's working behind the scenes in your life. You just need to relax and let Him be God. And I want to tell you something today. Christian, there is freedom in that that you can never imagine. When you'll let Him be God. And you need to stop trying to be God. So right now in the stillness of this moment, if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, here's the deal. I've been trying to be God. I've been trying to run my own life, run my own things. Lord, I've been been getting in your way. I've been checking the cake too much. I haven't trusted you. But I want to do that. I don't want to do this anymore, Lord. That's you today. Slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior. You need to make that first step. You need to allow Him to be the Savior. When I speak these words, you're like, man, 
He's not even in the kitchen. I'm doing it all. And it's a mess. I've never received him as my Lord. I've never accepted this gift of Christmas in my life. I need Jesus. If that's you today, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to receive Jesus as my Savior today. Amen. I see your hand. That's what we're going to do. If you raised your hand for any reason, if you need to turn some things over to the Lord today and you need to trust Him and entrust Him with some things, if that's you, if you slip your hand up, or if you didn't slip your hand up, but you know you need to come down, I'm going to invite you to come to the altars for a moment. We are not in a hurry. We've got plenty of time. If you slip your hand up, just slip out and come onto the altars. Anybody that raised their hands this morning? If you're here today and you need to receive Jesus as your Savior, you've not done that. But you want to do that. Today's your day. I want you to come down also. If you're here today and you've got a challenge physically in your body, you just need somebody to pray with you and agree with you, come down to the front. If you're facing a challenge today and you just need God to step in and intervene on your behalf, you need help. Come down to the front. I'd like to have some of the leadership come down and we're going to pray over folks. We're not in a hurry today, guys. We've got plenty of time. If you're in your seat, and, and you're in a place in your life where things are going really well, I want you to pray for the folks that are down here. There's some life change that's going on right now, and we need God to intervene on people's behalf today. Let's stay in an attitude of prayer.